would you do, Neil, if you had $700 million over 10 years? Uh, man. First, lifetime supply of Reese's Cups. But second, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I've, I've never thought about that. Well, you know who, who has to think about that? Shohei Otani. Yeah. Yeah. Edward Marlowe, Neil Bradley, for those who inquired podcast. And for those who inquired, Shohei Otani is going to make $430,000 a game for the rest of his life. That's... Or the rest of this contract. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't blame him for signing it. What a deal. Uh, and is he worth that in terms of production? I don't think so. But is he worth that in terms of marketability and stuff in that area? Probably, probably so. You bet. The your, Dodgers aren't idiots. You bet your bottom they, dollar. They didn't go. Well, hey, come over here and let's sign you. I, I have a feeling they believe this is going to be worth it to them in the entire marketability of his brand, not just what can you do for us on the baseball field. What people need to understand, and we will eventually talk about local athletics, but this, of course, happened. We're recording this podcast about ten o'clock in the evening, December the tenth. 2023 this uh, his signing happened about 48 hours ago what's interesting to me neil and you hit the nail right on the head he is as popular in japan and southeast asia and really all of the world he's as popular in his home country as taylor swift is here mm-hmm. as as mike trout is his former teammate as lebron james is his contract's worth more than LeBron James's, actually. He's more popular than Luka Doncic in Europe or Nikola Jokic back in his, you know, his home country. These are the types of things that you, you just you hit the nail right on the head. It's a it's a marketability factor. Like LeBron James, he has multiple reporters that are reporting only on him for Japanese subscribers four hometown newspapers back in Nippon and things like that. Like, it's just, it's outlandish to think about it, but in the same way that, like, Messi, you know, and and Ronaldo and Rafael Nadal and, and, and Novak Djokovic, you think of other sports, tennis, soccer, these world premier athletes that bring all that gravity. Shohei Otani has done that for Japan, and uh, I, I find it to be fascinating that that marketability is what's going to take him to the next level. Well, and he also he's fun to watch, plays the game the right way. Uh, I I really enjoy seeing him, and I did see that his first game will be against the Cardinals. Oh, really? Oh, that's opening day. Opening day in oh, L.A. Though. In L.A. Yeah. Oh, wow. Speaking of that, uh, before March we dovetail, 20. yep. So speaking of that, the with that signing, um, nosebleed seats for opening day went from about $180 to $200 to $450 and $500 for opening day. And that's I mean, and who knows? Will he be the opening day pitcher? I don't know. You know, there's a small chance from a health perspective yeah, he'll that he'll play. Only, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was gonna he's say. Playing. He'll he'll DH or play yeah. somewhere in the field. I mean, it's. I mean, he's gonna. If I, I, I haven't, I'm asking this just wide open because they shut him down this year. You know, to pitch later on. Is there a chance he doesn't pitch in 2024? I, I'm really not sure. I don't know. Sure, the Dodgers the, have up to the Dodgers. probably enough staff. They don't have to have him pitch. Right. But that's a pretty good arm to have if you do need him. Well, yeah. I you mean, know? the thing about it is, but if it, even if he doesn't pitch, his value as a hitter is astronomical. Sure. I mean, even if he hits 260, he's still yeah. very likely going to give you 35 homers, 95 RBI steal a couple bases, and get on base 40% of the time. 
I, I mean, is that worth $70 million plus the marketability of Los Angeles? I'd say so. You know, somebody texted me today and said he's worth 35 million on each side of the baseball. Mm-hmm. And that's why he got 70 million. And they were surprised that he didn't get 800 million, that he would have been worth that. Wow. I, I who knows? From a marketability standpoint, I think it's possible. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, immediate digression, but it's just, you know, as much as you and I talk about baseball, Shohei Otani, I've got a couple cards stashed away of Otani's. Don't have a rookie card. Got some other ones, but I've, I've actually, I, I'm just impressed. I'm, I'm, I'm not disgusted. I mean, yes, I think baseball needs a salary cap, but I don't hate his deal. Now, what's crazy is they are paying for him and Mookie Betts, and that's a billion dollars with two players, and it's a 40-man roster. Uh, that is probably what's more fascinating and crazy to me that with he and Mookie Betts combined, and we haven't even talked about Freddie Freeman, Clayton Kershaw, the rest of that roster, but he and Mookie Betts alone command one billion dollars of their yeah. of their, you know, cash flow moving forward. That's that's big time. And, yeah. Uh, when when I haven't seen it. What day did they give out their World Series rings? Oh, oh, that's right. They didn't win it last year. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Ed. I, I was off. I see what you did there. Oh, well, the oh. the Texas Rangers spent a lot of money too, but they didn't spend that much money. No, they didn't. Yeah, but they will have a date that they give those out. Yeah, so, uh, that's and the true. The Dodgers will not. That's a great point. That's a great point. Look at Neil Bradley scoring points. One Neil World Zero. <laughs> Uh, before we talk racer athletics, Neil, I wanted to talk a little bit about high school football. And you, well, me personally, I was able to take a quick look. Obviously, was able to see the Mayfield, uh, Lexington Christian, you know, LCA game. That was absolutely fascinating with Cutter Bowley and, you know, and Mayfield, you know, got a quick run there. And I was there with uh, Jared Peck and Ryan Hermans, and that game was absolutely fascinating to watch. And then you get into the next week, and it was Mayfield and Beachwood. And I ended up covering that game for a friend of mine, Evan Dennison, up at uh, Lincoln KY near the Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area. And that game, you know, of course, coming down to did you watch? Did you watch it stream or did you catch a box score? I did score? not get to see that. I listened to Vince Dawson's call for a while, right. and then I had to go help somebody do something. When I came back, I couldn't get his call after that, so I had to listen to the Beachwood guys finish it out unbelievable but i got got to hear it, and it was, what a, it's a really good game yeah really i nice. i it's hard, I'm, there's no point in reliving it at this point as we already have a champion determined but I, I just just reflecting on that that was a very very electric atmosphere mayfield had a 28 14 lead um clay hayden and beachwood marched back tied it up and then had mayfield May, Juju, uh, Judge Us, excuse me, Judge Us Starks, not Juju. Judge Us Starks races into the end zone on a, like a four-yard carry. I got a picture of it. He fumbled it, but it looked like it was knee was down, but there's no replay. Beachwood recovers at the goal line. Two plays later, Hayden throws an interception, and Lincoln Suter kicks them into the state championship. And then that's where I want to start just our quick discussion here of what the championship was like. I was at work and had the box score fired up when you were watching the game and the and the wonderful stream. At 34-14, I really thought Mayfield was in cruise control. And I don't mean cruise control like we don't care about the game anymore, we've got this done, but it's like, oh, it's a 20-point lead. This is safe. And spoiler, Mayfield still won the championship, mm-hmm. so it was safe. But it really almost wasn't. 
I really couldn't believe it because this looked like one of those games that was going to go all the way to the final horn at the start. Then Mayfield is up two touchdowns. They expand that to the three-touchdown lead. Yeah. And that's when I thought, well, it's over. I mean, Ocath is really good. Good try, Ocath. But, right. I mean, they're not they're not coming back against Mayfield. And then they did. Their quarterback and receiver, I was watching on TV and couldn't believe the throws he's making and then the catch the kid was making, and he would get into the end zone with really fast Mayfield guys chasing him time after time, and suddenly it's like, oh, my, this is a game uh, and Mayfield is probably going to have to get at least a stop or two to win it now. And they ended up having to get it late. It, but it, it took a fourth down sack. It was so electrifying. It was real game. Uh, it's what, you know, if every high school game was like this, they would have to have triple the amount of stands to watch. It was so exciting. Lots of offense. Not really a lot of defense in terms of uh, keeping the other team off the board. But uh, Mayfield showed why it's Mayfield. Had to make big plays, they made big plays. Had to make a big score, they made one. You must get a defensive stop, they get a defensive a stop. A singular defensive stop. Yes, yeah. Not They didn't just stop them. It wasn't like, well, you're not coming down the field. Yeah, they no, they were. Uh, but it was just a fantastic game. It's one of the greatest high school games I've ever got to just watch and enjoy. Uh, and it's really a shame that someone had to lose. But for Mayfield, uh, you know, if you live in this area, Mayfield's Mayfield. More often than not, when it's in a championship situation, they're going to come out on top, and that is exactly what happened. So here's what's crazy. So Brady Atwell only completed 50% of his passes only. Only? <laughs> he was 24 for 48. He had 516 yards passing. Wow. Three touchdowns. And then 11 carries for 40 yards, 38, but I'm pretty sure we were going to lost four touchdowns. Those are no, – you don't usually ever, Remar- ever lose rem- with those numbers. Remarkable. And then his receiver, what a day. Uh, William Carrico had 11 catches for 335 yards and three touchdowns. Remarkable. And, and didn't win. Did not win. <laughs> and here's why they didn't win. It's no. because Mayfield uh, was able to get a turnover on the first drive. They won the turnover battle. Uh-huh. And that's I, I want to stress this right here on this podcast. Mayfield won a state championship because in the three ensuing games they had to play, look at who they had to beat to even get a title this year. They had to beat an unbeaten OCAF for the championship. And an OCAF team that, in my opinion, wasn't tested. Yeah. I really mean this. I, like, I, will, I will go on the record and say right now, I thought Mayfield would win by two touchdowns uh-huh. because I didn't like Okath's schedule. That's not Okath's fault. They played who they were supposed to play, but they had the easier time getting to the state championship. They didn't have as tough of a district. They didn't, ha- in my opinion, they didn't have a super great win. Now, they were winning convincingly, and they beat a decent Owensboro team, they beat a decent Greenwood team, and they beat an OK Henderson team. I'm not taking anything away from them at all. I think Okath is absolutely fabulous. I voted them top three all year in the Courier-Journal poll. But I thought Mayfield was better. I thought Mayfield was two touchdowns better. I was wrong. I have no problem. I will admit I was entirely wrong. I was entirely wrong about two or three different high school football storylines this year. But that's why you play the game. That preseason prognostication, two other teams – 
that I want to go ahead and quickly mention that I wrote about in the Cats Paws, just based on their, you know, where the districts fall and my responsibilities there. I didn't think Paducah Tillman was going to be this good. I knew they were going to be good, but in a new district with new quarterbacks, they had two other great quarterbacks getting mixed in there with Jack James. I didn't know that they were going to get two Division One transfers in July. You know, I, I didn't know that their offensive line was going to be as good as it was, and I didn't know Jack James was going to take the leap that he did. Tillman ended up being absolutely fascinating going all the way to the state semifinals before losing a one-possession game to Covcath. And I also didn't know that Johnson at Union County was going to be as good as he was. They were terrific until they came up just short, you know, I believe in their regional championship. And so it's just one of those situations. Like sometimes guessing the guessing game in the preseason is tough to do. And guys do just get better as the season rolls along. But going back to the Mayfield OCAF game, I mean, like I said, Mayfield was able to do just enough to, to, and I, and I just enough in a title. I, I'm Judge, not, I had what, what five touchdowns, or four, touchdowns four touchdowns, 194 yards rushing. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I said 194, excuse me. It was 196. Okay. Uh, also, but that's I, a great game. Uh, not only is that a great game, but Zane Cartwright, I thought one of the biggest plays of the game was the late conversion on third down yeah. in the fourth quarter. They ended up scoring the touchdown on that drive. You won by five. There were so many tiny plays in the final eight minutes of that game that if one thing doesn't happen, the other team's going to win. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened for Ocath yeah. is that they just it's, it was it was fourth and long and they and they got sacked and that was just enough time on the clock for Mayfield to run it all down and Ocath didn't have an answer. Okay. And so that's I mean Zane Cartwright was twenty three for thirty three in his final high school football game, and I remember watching him as a freshman get pummeled as Mayfield had one of their tougher seasons that year mm-hmm. coming out of COVID. And I mean, that, that season as a freshman, he, he, you know, I mean, that, that was probably the first time that was right after Jaden Stinson had graduated, mm-hmm. gone to Murray state. They had played for the state championship that year prior, lost a heartbreaker to Somerset. A lot of young guys had to play that next year and play key minutes, key drives and start key positions. And that was one of Mayfield's quote, down years if there is such a thing for that mm-hmm. so i remember watching a lot of those guys get to celebrate a championship four years later i'm not trying to take anything away from ocath at all but you take a look at some of the guys from mayfield i don't i don't want to say that they actually like struggled that year but they took some beatdowns in, in in western kentucky that freshman year after that after that championship and like I said, for them to make it to Kroger this time around, after last year's heartache to Beachwood, mm-hmm. that's how good the final four teams were this year in Class 2A. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that you had LCA, Mayfield, Beachwood, Ocath, all waiting, and one of those four teams is probably good enough to win a state title. You just had to have the right mix of chemistry, and Mayfield won the turnover battle again. Every game leading up to the championship trophy, they won the turnover battle, even against Murray. Murray scored 20 points against him and kind of had him on the ropes until late. And that came down to turnover battle. So I, I just can't stress enough. You win the turnover battle nine times out of 10, you're going to win the football game. And for Mayfield to sort of redeem themselves from the year before, not like they, they didn't stink it up, but no. they, I'm sure in the minds of the kids who lost that game felt we should have won that game. Sure. But they did not. They didn't sulk about it. They worked hard to put themselves in a position where they could win it 
and then they did. It's a great life lesson. Do it the right way. Work hard, come back, give yourself another chance. They did so, and congratulations to well, them. And that's the other thing. That's the last thing I want to mention about the actual championship game. I mean, you take a look at take a look at uh hang on let me head it up you take a look at what ended up happening with mayfield in the championship game lincoln Souter last year who missed the pat to lose 14 to 13 to beachwood he went two for two on his field goals and five for five on his pats how do you and, and he kicked the game winner the week prior yeah. as time expired yeah i don't know how you write a better story yeah I know. how do you close your high school career in a much better fashion than sending your team to the state championship yeah. and then going perfect at kroger the next week. I don't know how, like, that's remarkable. Like, in a five-point win, he scored six, 11 points. He scored 11 points yeah. in a five-point win. I, you just It's the little things like that that you just look at for football. And again, it still comes down to the fact that Brady Atwell has gotten so much press since that game, and oh. so has William Carrico, and deservedly so, because sure. Mayfield almost didn't win. Yeah. And it's, it's like Brady who's a junior, by the way, with multiple D1 offers, and deservedly so, they almost didn't... I mean, that Mayfield season almost came down to the fact that OCAF almost finished their perfect season. Yeah. You know, that's that's what's so crazy, just about And you have to wonder uh, what they have coming back next year and it's think if they'll try to pull a Mayfield. I'm going to... And I think Beachwood, they're loaded too, so that's going to be another... Uh, and in Mayfield's Mayfield, yeah, it it is just it's just who they are. Mayfield replaces this is another key situation, and and again we'll we'll get to the racer talk in just a few minutes. I, I kind of think it's important just from a recruiting standpoint, though. Mayfield has several seniors that are looking for opportunities elsewhere. I don't know if that's going to be Murray State or not. I'm I'm not certain as to where those you know where those uh, affections lie. Yeah. Uh, but Judge Starks I, I can say nothing about any of that stuff. So. Sure. No. Absolutely. Yeah. To, to, right. to be, let's, let's be openly transparent yes. here. Neil cannot comment anything about recruitment. I for watched Murray the State ball football. game as a fan. I enjoyed the ball game as a fan, and that's it. He can talk about it after signing day. Yes. So I'll quickly mention here. I'm not necessarily certain where some of the more local talent is headed, at least at this moment. It is, again, December the 10th. There's, we, As we all know, recruiting for football has changed dramatically mm-hmm. in the last five sure. years. Uh, you can land on a roster at an FCS or FBS team in June now and can't be surprised. Be like, oh, yeah, we got this guy. He just showed up. And that that's kind of how loose change works now in college football. Uh, and I kind of, I kind I don't hate it. I think it's can, it can certainly lead to you know, really cool opportunities. You know, you get a guy that shows up at the last second and starts contributing, and you're like, well, where'd you come from? Yeah, I was at a local high school. I decided to come to my local school. Okay, well, that's great. You can do that now. There's a lot more flexibility when it comes to scholarships for college football. But in the meantime, I don't know where some of these... Um, <clears throat> I don't know where some of these guys are headed. I'm not sure. Um, I know Judge O. Starks has some local interest. Um, I know that Zane Cartwright probably could play some NAI football. Um, you know, if he wanted to, um, he's certainly going to get a couple of, I mean, he had two interceptions and that was in one game against Paducah Tillman, their only loss. And they were both on fourth down in the red zone trying to make a play. So I don't, you know, I'll quickly mention just very quickly, Paducah Tillman returns an absolute crap ton of talent for next year. Um, so I fully expect them to make another four, a run. And that's including Jack James, you know, who threw for more than 50 touchdowns and 4,000 yards. So it's just patently absurd 
how good Western Kentucky football. I said 5,000 yards. I did say 4,000 yards, 56 touchdowns, six interceptions for Jack James. And he does have D1 offers, and their top running back is back next year, and so is Martells Carter, who has 40 Division One offers. Um, literally 40 Division One offers. So um, they're going to be really, really good next year too. Tillman, talented. Mayfield, of course, is Mayfield, but Zane Cartwright and JoJo Starks both graduate, and that's mm. two key, key positions. Sure moving forward so we'll see kind of how that all shakes out that being said i wanted to jump right into just a little bit about murray state football uh we've already you and i've already kind of put the season to bed we know it was two and nine we know it was one mvc win uh we know it was extremely tough uh you're gonna have to update me here super quickly where where do the fcs playoffs stand right now where are Uh, we at where are we at on that uh, albany and south dakota state okay and then north dakota state I just brought the bracket up. Hold on. It is North Dakota State who beat South Dakota yes. 45 to 17, by the way. South Dakota State beat Villanova. So, yes, you have North Dakota State versus Montana. Montana. And you have South Dakota State versus U Albany. Yeah. And U Albany was able to just get by Idaho 30 to 22. So they're in separate brackets. It could be the Missouri Valley for back to back seasons playing for the championship, or neither could be there or one. So there's a lot, a lot of possibilities. Well, and but you, you saw North Dakota State's head coach four. is headed to the FBS. Yeah, race. I saw that. Yeah, is uh, tight ends coach for USC. I think uh, like I think that's right. Uh, US, yeah, for USC. Okay. Two seconds. We're doing this live. Um, because he's actually he, it just happened today. I, I just yes. saw the the right. announcement. Uh, Matt Ince. Mm-hmm. He has coached the last five years. Uh, Ince will lead the linebackers as they oh, linebackers, re- as they restructure the defense at USC. So well, that opens up a really, really, really big time position yeah. in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Uh, but yes, just to reiterate, on twelve fifteen at six o'clock in the evening, South Dakota State plays U Albany, and there's one MVC team, MVFC team. Uh, FC, and then you have on twelve sixteen the next day at three thirty North Dakota State playing Montana. So did uh, the call go like that? Hey, Matt, we have a uh, we have a linebackers coaching job open. Uh, wondered if you'd be interested. What's the temperature there right now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just put me down for it. Come up with a decent salary, uh, and I will be there. You need me to haul the trash bags out. Yeah, you got. You. Am I shining shoe? No. Jokes aside, he's, I mean, he's clearly he, earned an FBS yes, position. Yes, he, he has. But but I do exactly. He also is going to earn some really nice weather. Yeah. most of the time. That's true. He's that's, earned that. He has earned that too. That's a really really. And he may be coming in off of another national championship. It's extremely possible. And now we say these things. Here's what's crazy. So North Dakota State actually came into these playoffs unranked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were. Well, they were unseeded. Unseeded. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's what I mean. They they seed eight. Yes. So they weren't unranked. Let me rectify that statement. They were unseeded. Montana's the two seed on the right side of the bracket. It's one versus five on the left side of the bracket. Mm -hmm. So it's unseeded two. One seed in five. Right. Very interesting. But, excuse me, as you say, as I say that out loud, it's stupid to think that North Dakota State hasn't been yeah. in this. <laughs> yes. They, they've been in this position 11 years in a row. And you know whoever's playing, I'm like, oh, they're unseeded. Thank you. Well, right. ca- uh-huh. Exactly what happened <laughs> with Michigan yeah. when Alabama showed up yeah. on, the, on, the, uh, on, the, on the teleprompter. Like, uh-huh. there's Alabama as the four seed. Right. And I... You and I maybe toward the end of this podcast can discuss the merits of where the college football playoff belongs, 
But when you see Michigan audibly gasp when Alabama showed up on their screen, you know damn well. There's my one curse word for the podcast. You know dang well that that was not exactly that didn't need to be for location because now Alabama has all the material they need to be like, oh, you didn't want to play us. Oh, you were you you didn't want to play an SEC team. You weren't you don't you, you there was an audible gasp and a the air is sucked out of the room when Alabama showed up on that and they were just like, oh, this is gonna suck. Yeah, well, yeah, it might because SEC plays real football. So. Um, yeah, total digression there. Going back to Missouri Valley football and the Murray State Racers, tough season finishing two and nine and ensuing over the last what you want to say, Neil? Ten days or so, multiple guys have hit the portal. I, I'd take about it. It'd take about three or four minutes to list all the guys from the team that have Doesn't hit the matter. portal. It, it is what it is. Yeah, it, it's the way that college football is now. Don't get alarmed. Uh, always remember, you know. Kids are doing what they think's best for them. Sure. Also, remember this. So are coaching staffs. You're losing kids from a two and nine team. You're not losing kids from a nine and two team. Right. So there, there will, there will be replacements coming in. Some of them will probably be better. Uh, it, it, we saw the Missouri Valley football conference this year. A lot of them better be a lot better. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We know where we stand. We have to get bigger, stronger up front. And we need just a little not bit. a few better players, but a lot of better players. Yeah, I mean, and that's not. I'm not going to attack it. You're well, not we attacking. Have some good ones. Yeah, we have many good ones. There's pieces but for we sure. Need many more. That's yeah, that's the point I'm trying to make. The depth has to be better. Got to be better. Yeah, it really does. You got. I mean, you got. You got like Rusk. Man, you know he's uh, he's a heck of a player. You need two more of them. Yeah, yeah. So he he's good. You don't have to go out and go. Well, we got to get somebody who can play. No, he can play. Uh, your punter, I haven't heard anything about him in the portal or anything. He's he's good enough. Uh, we have several positions where you're fine, uh, but depth is really the key. Yeah. yeah. Where we would hang with teams for a while, and then you kind of get worn down after a while. Look at the math. Look at the math. You had one bad start, really, in against North Dakota State. Every other game in the Valley, and I'm not trying to just sugarcoat it and it was, this is great, you know, because you still lost 38-7 to to South Dakota, at South Dakota. But in every single game that was the Valley, except the North Dakota State game, well, but it was low scoring until later. That's what I'm getting to is that you hit the nail right on the head, per usual, just talking about that second, after the halftime. Even the North Dakota State game, that got better after the terrible start. Mm-hmm. It was 21-0 very quickly, yeah. and then it was like, oh, we got to regroup and actually play some football yeah, and, and they, stop they, turning they, the ball over. That was the problem in Missouri Valley football games this year was the second half was just like, oh, we're getting – like the, the rains came and then the rains stayed. And it was like, well, how are we going to get out of this quagmire? Every, you know, every mistake at that point was quicksand. It was – you know, one mistake became 10 points instead of seven or three or zero because there just wasn't enough depth defensively and you just couldn't stop the run, as yeah. you and I have talked about a lot in the last three months. Those are the types of things that that's how you get worn down in second halves. Like, oh, let's run the ball 30 times and get out of here. Okay, well, they did that. And a lot of teams did that in the Missouri Valley this year. And, I, and I, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm a, I'm a huge racer fan. Still plan on uh, calling the games for, for for a while. But sure, when we watch the games, can tell we need many 
better players to be competitive and compete for championships. Gain an edge. Where we are. I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I think you'll have players say that. And yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I know our coaches are working hard to make that happen. That's, uh, that's what they get paid to do, and they're going to get out there and get that. Uh, they know the portal is. It's just a fact of life, and it doesn't matter if they do flip it around, and they are 9-2. They're going to have guys scoot out of here. Yes. Ohio State's starting quarterback left. He's yeah. in the portal. He is in the portal, yeah. And he played. He's So good. is Oklahoma's. He's really good. Yeah. I'm out going somewhere else. It, it's just the way it is now. So you, you, you can't – Sit around and cry about who doesn't want to be with you. Everyone is doing what they believe is best for them. And that's what you as coaches have got to do. you got to do what's best for you mm-hmm. here in terms of recruiting. If you can recruit over guys that you have, you recruit over them. And if you can't bring yourself to do that, you don't need to be a football coach. You need to go out and get the best players that you can get. And, uh, and I think we will do that. Dean... Uh, he has a certain kind of player that he likes to have. He wants to have good young men in his program and have them leave, I think, as better young men. And uh, that's what I really love about having Coach Hood as my football coach. And uh, hopefully they'll just go out and get a bunch. We will have a lot of new faces on the sideline next year. Yeah. And it'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be a big year. It's the 100th anniversary for Racer Football and uh, some some big things certainly are coming. I'm not going to let any cats out of the bag right now. No racers out of the gate. No racers out of the gate. <laughs> Let's go with that one. Cats out of the bag's fine. But there will be there'll be some uh, some fun things that will happen. Well, and one of the things, too, I think, and, and I've had a couple people text me and ask me, like, you know, if you're going to have these people jettison, doesn't that make the, the, the staff's job harder? from a recruiting standpoint. And I I think there's two sides to that sandwich, but I think the better side of the sandwich is no, because the two things that you can actually tell a recruit are, hey, we're competing in the spring. We're going to have open spring ball. We've got ample opportunity galore. Come take snaps and see if you want to be a part of this program. So that's number one. Number two, key positions are open. Key positions in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And I will say this until I'm dead. Put me in the dirt and then put it on my tombstone. It is better to lose in the Missouri Valley than it is to win really anywhere else in FCS football. It is the best FCS conference, and I'll say it until I'm dead. Until you learn how to get better there, it's okay to lose in the Missouri Valley because it's freaking ridiculously good. And I know that that sounds somewhat counterintuitive because nobody wants to lose, but it is the best place to come and play. And I say these things, I'll say it again. I love the OVC Big South Union. I love the teams that have come out of there and the talent that's coming out of there. Some of those guys are going to play on Sundays as well. Uh, some of those guys are also going to transfer up you know, and go play FBS football. Same with the Missouri Valley Football Conference. For a lot of teams, they're going to lose two or three guys, and they will transfer up. But more often than not, we have trickle-down economics. You're going to have FBS guys that are like, I need playing time now. I need snaps now. I need tape now. Where can I go? Who needs help? And Murray's going to be a team that can say, hey, listen, come on down. You know, come on down. We got a horse that runs around the track every time we score a touchdown. We need you to be the guy that gets that done. Make that horse run until it's tired at halftime. Like, we need 
that type of help. Oh, and by the way, you're going to be joining us in the Missouri Valley Football Conference for year two. That's the type of thing that you can pitch to players anywhere in the country. You know, you're not pulling guys from California because they want to, you know, because they because they just want to come here. They want to play in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. That's how that works. That, that, that This is a marketable thing. I'm not saying the OVC isn't marketable. I'm saying the Missouri Valley Football Conference is more marketable. That's my point. Also, I believe the players here, they're not idiots, the ones who are staying behind. They know, because they saw a season of this, what it takes to win in this conference from a size and speed and depth standpoint. And I, I think they'll help a lot. They, I'm sure they know players. They know coaches at schools as well. Uh, I'm sure they'll have contacts. And uh, there is a lot of – because we've spoken to so many of them about how much the program does mean to them. They will, I'm sure, pass that along. When sure. Recruits do come to visit and tell them, come and be a part of this. We can really make something special in this league in the best FCS conference in college football. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's one of those situations where you're absolutely going to have this opportunity to just come and play race or football, and you're going to be able to come and play in one of the greatest conferences in the country, yeah. uh, FBS or FCS. So I totally agree with that. Uh, and it's a non-starter for me. I, and I, and again, I wish everybody well uh, from a recruiting standpoint. Oh, me too. Yeah. yeah, I really do. I mean, I, you got to do what's best for yourself. That's okay. Yeah, and and I mean, yes, DJ Williams is headed out. Cody Goatley headed out. Taylor Shields, Jacob Bell, on and on and on. Guys that have really contributed over the last, you know, three or four years. A couple guys, a little bit, maybe even a little longer than that. You, you hate to see it, but it is. But I say that, and I wish them well. I think they'll find opportunity that you know that best fits them, uh, and it leaves the racers with an opportunity that best fits them. And that's how that, that that's how the transfer portal works. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bemoan it. I'm you can't. It's a it's a fact of life now. And you said that earlier. Yeah. And I'm further reiterate it's a fact of life. You have to be able to embrace it and move forward. If you can't coach in it, then maybe coaching's not for you. That that's the way it's got to be now. And I I know it's a different thing. That is NIL and all that stuff, but it is here. Uh, although I do think NIL, we're not, we haven't really talked about, that's going to change a lot, I think, in the next couple of years. In sure. terms of uh, they kind of got to get everybody to at least where they know where everyone stands on that. And I, th- and I think that'll happen. But the transfer portal, there won't be a lot of changes, I don't think, in that. I mean, they've made a few. They've tweaked this. They've tweaked that. The, uh, hey, I'm going to play for one team this year, next team next year. They've kind of eliminated a lot of that. Yep. Uh, and uh, and I think that's made it a little bit better. for everybody. Sure. No, absolutely. So speaking of transfer portal, I want to pivot a little bit to basketball and a couple other quick notes before we move on to the holiday season. And, uh, Neil, do appreciate your time here. Racer women's basketball, uh, five and two. Yeah. You were in Clarksville on Saturday for that doubleheader. And it opened up with a 93-85 win. Uh, Neil, you've seen two of the best three-point shooting performances. One on the call uh, with Isaiah Cannon in Clarksville and yeah. one in the stands with Briley Pena, who decided to go, I believe, six of seven. Is that right, from three? I think from three, yes. And, uh, yeah, just just walk. I mean, 93 points, first of all. I, I Rochelle would have absolutely loved to have seen this offense last year. Yeah. She has it this year. 
What was it like to see? First of all, it was a back and forth game early on with Austin P and the yeah. and and they're, they they kind of governed. <laughs> they, they governed things early before that thirty five point third quarter from Murray. What did you see out of the Racer Women's Basketball on Saturday? Uh, saw a team that had to dig down a little bit. Uh, Austin P was able to get an eight point lead at halftime. Right. Uh, some of that, not all that, but some of that caused by Caitlin Young picking up her second foul uh, because of what I do now, Ed. I can say this, the official blew that call. He stunk. It was a horrible call, Ed. <laughs> you're allowed to say that. Because I can say that you're allowed, you're as not on the a call. fan. Right. As a fan. And uh, Rochelle, she'll get in trouble for saying that. Rochelle, I'm saying it for you. That call stunk on her second foul. Absolutely horrible. Poodoo. However, it did, it did uh, affect the game. And the racers, you know, they lost some ground at that point. But they brought in, actually, to me, the player who really impacted things was Ava Learn. They brought her in. She's so good. Made some made some big plays, some big buckets, blocked a shot. Uh, I really liked what she brought to the table. And then uh, Briley Pena got going. I don't even know what and, to say. And I, I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, and uh, I guess Rochelle could – could correct me, but it, one of the coaches shows, I don't know if it was the last one or the one before that, I don't know, where she had talked about Briley. You know, if, if Briley comes in here, guess what? Briley, she's small. She's short. She's 5'5". Five five. Yeah. I'm being um, generous there. She's she's not – she wasn't recruited for her rebounding skills. No. She wasn't recruited because she's a lockdown defender. You can throw out there on the point guard and shut them down. She was recruited for one big thing – she is an elite three-point shooter. Shoot the cover and off the ball. for Rochelle, she essentially said, you got to shoot them. They looked at film with Riley and said, you're passing up open looks. Stop doing that. That's the reason you're in there. So Saturday, let's go there. She didn't pass them up. She got an open look. She pulled the trigger. And you can go through and look at the film. Haven Ford, I had a beeline shot. She's a freshman. And I, Haven, I'll say this about you. You just didn't know better. There was an impossible lane to get a pass through. There were two defenders, just a little bit of room in there where you could maybe get a ball, maybe. And heck, Haven, Haven, Haven is a freshman and go, I'll try that. She threaded the needle with two hands reaching, missing the ball, hits her in the corner. Pena sinks the three. I think Austin P has to take a timeout. Man, that was fun. It was really fun. We have a fun group to watch. Uh, putting up points, playing hard, playing for each other. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, from the players who played a lot of minutes to the players who didn't, the bench energy was just absolutely outstanding. And there's nothing like leaving Clarksville with a win over Austin P. Well, so, and that's that's actually worth, I want to reiterate the fact that Murray State's offense is top five in the country right now in points per game. They are. They were second entering yesterday. Correct. So they're currently shooting 46% from the floor. I know Rochelle would like to see that just a little bit higher. You're shooting 34% from three. You'd love to see that at about 36, 37%. That's still not bad as, you know, young, you know, young women are starting to heat it up. You're shooting 76% from the free throw line. You've missed less than 40 free throws in the first seven games. You're barely out-rebounding teams, but there's not as many rebounds to go when you're making 93 points a game. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a thing. Your assist-to-turnover ratio is pretty solid. It's uh, 131 assists, 97 turnovers, so that's 1.3 to 1. You'd, you'd love to see that to be a little higher. Probably the speed of the game. 
You know, you've got the two, you know, you've got the two big time losses where you're on the road, Indiana, yeah, Arkansas, yeah. but too many turnovers, I think, probably Rochelle would say right away a couple times this year where she's just like, Why are we turning the ball over eighteen yeah. times? We shouldn't we know how to play this fast. Why are we doing that? Not a real big deal yesterday. Yesterday the problem was uh, they didn't do a great job on the glass, and it was the second chance points for Austin P that yep. kept them in the game. Uh, it was a huge discrepancy, I think almost 20 points. Yep. But for Murray State, they were plus 14 at the free throw line. They made four more threes. Uh, those are things that really helped them overcome the fact that they were just getting murdered on second chance points. So speaking of that, yeah, Briley Pena is shooting 55% from three. 55 She's well, eight, I mean, when you're shooting like that, she's 18 of 33. Then you don't want. How many did she shoot yesterday? Seven, and she made six. Uh, yeah, you need that to about 14 or 15. I, I gotta agree with Rochelle. If you're hitting 55, percent no one else out here can do what you can do. Right. Do it until you're not making them. Yep. No, we'll, I totally we'll let you know. I totally yeah. We'll we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll tell you to stop the heat check. Yeah. So you talk about that assist to turnover ratio. <laughs> uh, Haven Ford has 18 assists and 10 turnovers. She also has 12 steals, second on the team. Uh, Bria Sanders Woods, the hyphenator, has 25 assists and 13 turnovers. Uh, Caitlin Young has 15 assists. She has five turnovers. I just realized Neil, in seven games. Do you realize how much I talked about women's basketball and never mentioned Caitlin Young's name other than foul trouble? Right. That's it. Now, when she came back in, she was a force, ended up with a 21 point game. It, but there's just so many other contributors there. And Haven, now I was kind of making a joke of her uh, being a freshman, but God, I love the way she plays. Mm -hmm. I mean, she just, uh, no fear, none at all. Oh, yeah, I'm a freshman. I'm going to make some mistakes. But she doesn't have any hesitation. Well, she's she's the most successful player at getting to the free throw line. So there's a lot of physicality there. I'm sure her shooting percentages are you know not desirable at the moment. 27% from the yeah, field. She'll be better. 20% from three. But she's making seventy five percent of her free throws, and she's already shot thirty five three throws. Yeah. Free throws. She's only playing eighteen minutes a game. And Bria Sanders Woods, uh, I think one thing she did that really helped. She attacked the basket relentlessly yesterday, getting to it. Some of the shots, like I don't know that that's a good shot, but she's able to stretch it out with athleticism, get it up, put it in, or get to the free throw line. Uh, just uh, this is a team that's really clicking on virtually every cylinder when they put somebody in there. And you mentioned Ava Learn, 13 points, almost six rebounds a game. Uh, she's second on the team in scoring, playing as the essentially the backup to Caitlin Young, essentially. Yeah. But her size also predicates that she plays 20 minutes a game. And I'm it, it goes without saying, you have the 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 there's one woman, Hallie Lange walk on as playing five minutes a game in three games. Everybody else is playing at least eight minutes. Now, Jada Black, of course, has had to deal with some injuries as well. Uh, she's only played in two games, but everybody that's appeared in all seven games is playing no less than eight and a half minutes. And I'm mentioning that because Destiny Thomas is playing almost nine minutes, and she's averaging three points and a rebound per game. So she's played in every game. Trinity White, transfer from Butler, has played in every game. Jenna Walker has played in every game and had a couple of key mo moments. By the way, Jenna Walker is 7 of 15 from 3 coming back from injury. So that's, you know, 13 assists, 3 turnovers. That's ridiculous. Now, I know she had a lot of those turn uh, assists in, in that singular game early in the year, but still, she's playing really well in her very limited minutes. Um, Haven's playing 18 minutes. Bria Sanders-Woods is playing 23. Bradley Pena is playing 19 Hannah McKay is playing 25, and she had what I would consider to be an off-shooting game against Austin P. but everything else was fine. She had 20 
20 minutes for Zoe Stewart, obviously, and she's third in scoring for the team. And then, of course, Ava Learn and Caitlin Young. Both I mean, Caitlin's playing 27 minutes a game. That is great for her from a from a, a speed standpoint. A I can come in and give maximum effort for 27 minutes. Yeah. And her maximum effort is 91% from the free throw line, 35% from three, 55% from the field. Yeah. Again, five turnovers, Neil, as a big. Yeah. She has five turnovers in seven games. That's Jeez. with nine blocks and eight steals. That's crazy. That's crazy that she only has five turnovers in seven games. She came out, you know, rare, fairly quickly uh, in that game and already had broken a sweat. That gives you an idea of how hard she's going up and down the floor. So she'll come out and get a few minutes break. Usually Rochelle seems to do that on the uh, other side of a media timeout. Mm-hmm. Then you get at the under five and you can put her back in. So a good way to kind of steal her a couple of minutes of uh, rest in there. Uh, it's it, it's fun to watch her, but also uh, the thing that was missing from last year and is have that big that can step in whenever she's unavailable and uh, able to learn fills that role. Also, if you want to put them both in at the same time, there may be some times where matchups dictate that in the Missouri Valley Conference. I don't know. A big story in the conference, of course, is uh, Grace Buffelli, uh, Northern Iowa, injured. Uh, they're on a seven-game losing streak, a team pick to either win it or, depending on which poll you want to look at, win it or be at or near the top. They're, they've lost seven straight games, Northern mm. Iowa has. So uh, I, I'm not really sure. that They haven't really released much on – how bad the injury is, but she hadn't played in a while. Did not know that, and that's why we have Neil Bradley as the other half of this amazing brain trust. And he's ninety-five percent of the brain power, and I'm but five percent of it. But saying that, I did not realize that they were on the seven game seven game losing streak. Uh, now, now that you say that, I'm deeply interested, and I'm clicking on their schedule as we speak. And yeah, sure enough. Uh, doesn't look like they've got another game in too terribly long. Yeah, they're they're one and seven. Uh, Neil is correct. They have lost seven straight. They beat, which I, I didn't. I, I knew you were right. I just wanted to see how that had happened. And uh, you beat Green Bay. Then you lost to well, Caitlin Clark in Iowa. But then they lost to Ball State, Syracuse, Vanderbilt, South Dakota, Creighton. Now Creighton, they got mauled, I think. But the Creighton other was receiving good player, uh, Maya, I can't think of McDerm- McDermott or what. She yeah. was unavailable in that game, so they didn't have either of their top players for that one. Maya McDermott, that's correct. Five yeah, uh, six junior uh, out of Johnston, Iowa, and Johnston High School did not play in that game. That's correct. Yeah, lost to South Dakota, uh, lost to Creighton, where Creighton was receiving votes. Lost to South Dakota State, and now they play Iowa State, December the twentieth, five days before Christmas, and Iowa State is receiving votes. Okay. So that's their schedule has probably not right. helped them either. But no, no, it has. It's a tough schedule. But they're also not healthy. Yeah, because yeah, I mean. You know, I have to realize I went into the league last year a bit naive. You know, like I don't know that anybody's going to put up anybody with the size Caitlin has, and then it's like, oh my gosh, mm. here's a six three or a six four girl that has the moves and can shoot, and like, and uh, then you go to Drake, and they seem to have like three of them, and I think that's what Rochelle was up against. Like, well, we can't go out and get a zillion of those all at once, but. Hey, here's what we can do. We can speed it up. So speaking of that, Grace Buffelli has played six of the eight games, so she has been injured. She is only shooting 18% from three, and that's kind of where I'm seeing the problem here, uh, at least for now. Yeah, in that sixth game, she played three minutes, yep. so she's di- basically didn't play that she's, one she's, much. She's been hurt. She's, been, she's played five of the eight games yeah. and has been hurt. She's currently injured. Yeah, uh, They are shooting 27% from three. 
and 65% from the free throw line. That's that's kind of, uh, if I were to pick an immediate symptom from a box score, yeah. uh, that's not great. So and they're granted, leaking a little oil right now. And not only that, as a team, they've shot 36% from the field. Right. Yeah. Not ideal. You'd love to see that about 40. Yeah. You know, so that's... Uh, not ideal at all. Well, again, really quickly, the it looks like the women, their next game. Thursday night. Yep. It is Thursday night. They play. I had the schedule up and now I've lost it. Well, do you know it, Neil? I'm going to ask it right now. Who do they play on Thursday night? I think they play Little Rock. Is that who they play? They do. Thursday at 6 o'clock. They what play Little Rock at home. Then on the 18th, they play Western Carolina. And then their first conference game is right after Christmas, five days after Christmas, yeah. December the 30th at 5 o'clock at home, Valparaiso. And as we've explained previously, but we'll explain again, they don't play the two early conference games right. because they play conference games the week of the men's tournament. So they that's why they, they have two games that week. The men uh, have to start a week earlier. So that's a perfect time to dovetail into the men. And the men... I don't know. Well, I, I was at the, at the Austin P game yesterday, and it was a rough looking game. Uh, the offense was really not good. Uh, I mean, forty nine points in a college basketball game. Uh, they didn't shoot well. Did didn't not. Sh- didn't shoot the three well. Uh, didn't turn it over much. However, didn't force turnovers either. Ten to four was uh, yeah. the turnover so, ratio. So that part isn't good. And they defended. Pretty well for the most part. I mean, uh, the leading scorer for Austin P. Sharp is that his name? Is that? Wait, I, I thought it was. Was it Sharp that? I thought it was Black that got. Yeah, uh, the guy got twenty points. I don't know what his name. I thought it was Sharp. I think it was. Okay, well, you were there, so yeah. I, hang on. I'm bringing that box score up, but do do continue. But but anyhow, if you look at the defensive uh, statistics in that one, they actually held them to a, a, a very low field goal percentage. Uh, defended the three very well, but uh, just gave up key shots at key times and couldn't get key shots to go in. Uh, couldn't make the threes. Uh, a big part of the racer game is getting to the free throw line. They couldn't get to the free throw line. They only went four of eight at the line. Right. So I just got the box score up, and it was Demarcus Sharp went eight for twenty three from the field, and then Desi Jones had ten, and that was it. Yeah. So Austin P shot twenty of fifty nine from the field, five of twenty one from three. Uh, but the racers only took 51 shots and 50 yeah. and they had more possessions than that. They had 10 turnovers, 51 shots put up. So they had 61 possessions. I mean, it's a team that you can tell by the scores, they're close. They're not getting smoked by anybody, but no. they're, they're not making enough key defensive stops and they're not making enough key shots. They don't have that one guy that really good or great racer teams have had that steps up and say, we're not going to lose the game. That hasn't emerged yet. It may emerge, but it hasn't yet. Uh, st- you know, still a, the guys played hard. It wasn't a matter of effort. I didn't see anything like that. But in no terms slouching. of, uh, no, didn't see any of that. But in terms of efficiency, uh, it, that's where I saw uh, a bit of lacking there. Well, so you look at Clarksville, it's a four point loss. You look at Illinois State, it's a four point yeah, loss. Yeah, I know. That's after you beat Bradley at home which this team has been pretty good at home. Then you go to the neutral floor. I'm just walking us back here. Mm-hmm. The neutral floor, um, 67-57 loss to App State, which, by the way, App State, pretty good. And, you, uh, and we're in that game late. You were in that game late. UNC Wilmington, that's a two-point overtime loss. Yeah. That's the same Wilmington team that just beat 
ranked Kentucky mm-hmm. at Kentucky, and then you lost to Western Kentucky by five. Yeah. So I could see I can see how painful this feels right yes. now. Yes. If you're getting smoked, you can just go, well, we stink and we're not any good. Yeah. It's five points you know. to Western, two points to Wilmington. I'm going to do a running tally super quick. Five points to Western, two points to UNC Wilmington. We're up to seven. Ten points to App State. That's technically your biggest loss. So you're up to 17 points. Um, Illinois State, two possessions, four points. That's 21 points. Two possessions at Clarksville, 25 points. You have five losses by a combined 25 points. Yeah. And you've not been shooting the ball well. You've not forced turnovers. I can't imagine how painful that feels, both as a coaching staff yeah. and as the players. You're yeah. right there if you would just complete like one runner, one free throw, one steal. Just yeah. finish out one possession, hit both of your free throws instead of one, you know, one and you know, one of two. And two extra stops. That's it. That's the difference. That's the difference. And so I'm not trying to say yay or nay about what the team is or isn't. 25% of the season has completed. You're three and five. Yeah. Now that that's not a good record. It's and, not. And it's not one that the the team or the coaches accept. However, you can move on. We've had some really bad starts to racer seasons that turned out really good. Yeah. First season I did games sure. three and nine. Went to the NCAA tournament, but started three and nine. Right. But, uh, you know, uh, Steve said, I listened to uh, most of the coaches' show till uh, we pulled in to grab something to drink. Uh, and he said, that, you know, they're making changes. I don't know what he meant by that. I don't know if he means like from a personnel standpoint in terms of lineup or in terms of what they do, but he did talk about changes that they'll be uh, making or looking at or whatever in his post-game comments. And so it would be interesting to see exactly what those are when the team uh, – and this isn't really what, where you want to have uh, – let's go uh, experiment with some things at Mississippi State Wednesday night. No, and that, and that's – you're right. It's tough. I mean, you're going to play – you know, you know, at the Bulldogs, that's yeah, that's tough. That's a that's a scenario when these feel like winnable games. You know, again, five losses by twenty five total points. I can't stress enough how frustrating. I don't, you don't want blowout losses, but when you have five losses of that type, you're just like, man, what do, what do we got to do? What 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 four minute stretch do we need to be even better? What what do we need? What what sort of offense do we need to be running? Who needs to be maximizing at this point? Who could be playing better? Right. And the thing about it is, I'm not going to single any particular individual out because if you look at team shooting, you're only shooting 45 percent from the floor. You're only shooting 32.6 percent from three. You've missed 50 free throws already in mm-hmm. eight games. You're shooting 68 percent from the free throw line as a team. You guys can all read a box score at this point and go see who's shooting well versus not shooting well. You're only out-rebounding teams by plus two. Your assist-to-turnover ratio is okay. It's 104 to 79. You have 22 blocks, 36 steals, but you're not forcing turnovers. Teams are only turning – you're only turning the ball over 9.9 times per game. And that's good. Yeah. That that yeah the team. racers are only turning yeah. the ball over nine point nine. That's good. They're only forcing nine point nine turnovers. That isn't good, right? That's that's what I was getting at. Right. You're exactly right. The racers are only turning the ball over in these first eight games nine point nine times per game. That is 
fabulous. It is. But when you're defensively not getting transition basketball and you're only forcing nine turnovers and teams are shooting right now about 33% from three, that's okay. Got some key threes that are getting hit at you the wrong moments. You want it under moments. 30. You want it under 30 is, is a dream come true. Mm-hmm. And teams are shooting 45% against you, yeah. which is about what you're shooting, which is leading to these painfully close losses. Yeah, that's right. You want it under 40 for the field goal and under 30 for the two. And I don't three. know, Walker status, he went out yesterday, bang knees. I saw play, that. He had ice on a knee. Does it, look, it didn't look like mega serious, but – I, will, will he be ready Wednesday? I don't know. Yeah. Eric Frederick and his staff, they do amazing things. So if he can be ready, he will be. But just a word of caution, uh, when you have an ice knee and you played on Saturday, that may not play on Wednesday. I don't know. Uh, and, and that's no inside information. None. That's speculation. That's just me looking at him with ice on his knee and going by experience of when I've seen that before. So might play, might not. Don't know. And again, I think the tough part is you, when you look at when you've missed 50 free throws, you're not going to make all your free throws. I get it. But let's say you've only missed 25 of those free throws or even 30 of those free throws. 20 free throws is 20 points, and you've lost five games by 25. Well, the, in the overtime game, if you'd made one in regulation, that won the game. Yeah. <laughs> and I get That's that one. It's what ifs. It's yeah. bygones. It's, it is what it is. I will mention this. You have Rob Perry, Jacoby Wood, Brian Moore, Nick Ellington, and Sean Walker Jr. have made all eight starts. Then you have Quincy Anderson and Justin Morgan that have played in all eight games, and they seem to be the top two rotation players right. coming off the bench. You have Sam, who's played in five of eight, but has only played 32 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Malik has only played – Abdel Gawad has only played in seven of the eight games. He seems to be a, a kind he, of, a, kind of a, a nice lift He did off some the good bench. things yesterday. Yeah. I, I like some stuff he did. He's been playing about nine to ten minutes a game – then after that, I, it's not. I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to have Rochelle's lineup. It's not that at all. You're not going to have ten no, they'll guys. They'll play seven. It's playing seven. Maybe eight. Yeah. It's, and so it's just the way it is. That seems to be pretty chiseled in. Yeah. But the combination, you know, I, I'm I'm just simply asking a yeah. question. You know, have they found the right combination yet? Well, I, don't, I don't know. With the record, it says they haven't. Right. But maybe they have. Yeah. Maybe it's the answer lies in some other adjustments they're going to make. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. No, and and again, I, I the number one thing that I look at is the point differential. We haven't, you're right, we haven't seen a blowout. Uh, what's the what's the most they've even been down? 15 to 4 early against Illinois State? Is that an 11-point deficit? Is maybe the worst it's been? Because they, 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 they were down in the teens at some place somewhere. I don't remember. I'm trying to double check. I, I mean, well... App State, maybe I think was either 12 or 14. Yeah. Old Dave Weiner probably knows the worst deficit of the year. But he did. Dave did text us earlier today and say that the team is shooting sub 40% yeah. over the last two games. Oh. And you just you can't. That isn't going to win. It's not yeah. going to win road games for sure. Oh, no. Uh, it might not win at home. But, you know, you, you look at the road shooting percentage and neutral floor shooting percentage right now, and it just hasn't been – well, that's this why been superb. the two things you need on the road are uh, get to the free throw line. That's That always helps when you can get there 20-plus times. And that hasn't and happened. And also create turnovers. And that hasn't 14, happened 14, 15, or more. And that gives you a chance to win if you play good deep. And the defense, as I said, against Austin B, the overall defense was good enough to win that game. It really was. Yeah. So it's not like, well, we got to go back to the drawing board defensively. Not overall. You do want to create more turnovers. But in terms of defending the shots, they were pretty good on that. 
you're just not getting the chaos that comes yeah. with the fast break. You're not getting that. It didn't. It did not happen. I, I'm still confused how they only got 22 shots in the first half. And I, I think I'm right on that. Did I get that right? Yeah. They were now. Now I say that they were 10 for 22 from the field and five for 13 from three. But in the second half, they were nine for 29, which is 31 percent, and two for 12 from three. So for the game, they shot 37 percent and 28 from three, and four of eight from the free throw yeah. line. Not, I don't need to, I mean, I'll say it just for the sake of saying it, it was not a winning formula. No. There wasn't a, no. there was not, I'm still confused how there were only 22, like, offensive possessions. They had five turnovers in the first half. I don't understand how there were only 22 possessions oh. in 20 minutes. Yeah, it deep in the shot clock. They were deep in the shot clock almost all the time. And was that a credit, is that a credit to Austin P? I think it is. It is. Um, now, is it a case of d- were we not where we were supposed to be offensively that didn't create shots, or was it 100% Austin P? I don't, I don't know. That's why they watch film. I can't break it down. I really don't. Yeah. I'm just an anal- former announcer yeah. of basketball. No, and I'm know. just a purveyor of basketball. Yeah. I'm simply just so watching. I, you know, I like know. I think some of it, I think the interior defense of Austin P did give Murray State some trouble. I will say that. Yeah. I think particularly underneath the basket, uh, I thought Hans, uh, Hansel and Manuel was yeah. terrific. You know, I forget the comedy behind it. He was a terrific basketball Dude, player. nine rebounds. I mean, block shots. Three block and shots. To me, uh, I think Ellington had a dunk, but he had, besides that, maybe the dunk of the game. Yeah. Over the one. You know, On the putback. Bam, right in. Really nice. I mean, Pretty, pretty, pretty cool little story there for him. Yeah, not only is it a cool story, but I mean, he's kind of been the his spark plug. Oh, four of his rebounds were offensive, by the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, you got to just put that one behind you and learn from it and move on. Yeah. But man, that's a that's a tall task to go into Starkville and try to win at Mississippi State. And their next home game, let's let's just even mention that right that's now. Saturday afternoon. It's Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Now. Southeast Louisiana, I mean, they've got some good players, but I think they're two and seven yeah. heading into the week. So they're not off to a real good start. So Murray State, Starkville, December the 13th at 630. Uh, against Mississippi State, southeast, uh, southeastern Louisiana, December the 16th. Of course, some racer ties there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of an interesting program. I believe that's where Billy came from, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. So southeastern Louisiana. Steve's coach there. Yep. December the 16th, 3 o'clock. That's a cool Saturday afternoon affair. And then you have your at Little Rock, December the 18th of Monday. So no, no their rest. Head, their head coach is Kenny Ross, uh, former roommate at Arkansas. So it's no no rest for the weary, man. And 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 not only that, I mean, yeah. there's no time to really stop and think about this. Yeah. Game Wednesday, game Saturday, game Monday, and so get back out on the floor. Sometimes it's the best medicine, really. Yeah. And you know, and you don't even. And then you have SMU December the twenty second, which is the teddy bear toss right before Christmas. Oh yeah. Uh, so that's, that's I neat. I love that game. That I will definitely be at that game. That's uh, that's one of those situations. I'll say this: I've only been able to see the racers uh, via digitally. Uh, which I love the stream. I, I've been able to listen to Kenny and Jeff. I and, thought uh, you Jeff. were at the Racer Arena game. I was at the Racer Arena okay. game. I just mean that, you know what I mean, the games that actually like win. Oh, I got gotcha. you. That right. actually go on the stat sheet. I was at the Racer Arena game, but I've not been able to be at a game in person yet. I have, like many fans, you know, because they haven't 
I've been watching from afar yeah. just with, you know, busy schedule and busy time of year. And so, you know, I've only been able to see really digital footage, listen to, you know, Rob Cross and, and, uh, and the gang do their, you know, the, you know, their, 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 uh, broadcast. And then I've listened to Kenny and, and Jeff do their broadcast. So, um, I, I just, you're just not the shooting, I think just hasn't come around yet. Maybe is really even shooting cures a lot of woes. You'd love oh, to be yeah. scoring 90 points a game right now and winning 90 to 86. Yeah. But 49, well, 49 points in Clarksville just doesn't. Ask, ask Rochelle. She had 93. She got smoked on the boards, gave up a ton of second chance points. One, she had 93 points. She got the dub. There you go. Yeah. And, and when it all comes down to it, they didn't come for pretty stats. They came for the dub. Yeah, they came for the win. And they hopped on the bus with it. Flushed Cup, the P. Yeah. Couple a uh, couple final moments here uh, as we start to wrap things up. I did didn't I totally forgot to mention, but it's worth mentioning now. Something that happened earlier this week, Murray State did announce as part of the hundred year celebration coming up, did go ahead and announce its Murray State football schedule, which I think is mm-hmm. actually obviously something you know that's going to be really important for you. Missouri on August thirty first. Butler is your first home game uh, on September the seventh. Then you have Mississippi Valley State the next weekend, September the fourteenth. Uh, that's family weekend. North Dakota at Grand Forks on September the twenty eighth. So a little bit of a little the off week there is in in the middle in the later part of September. South Dakota at home on October fifth. Indiana State at Terre Haute on October twelfth. The nineteenth is homecoming October, and you're hosting Illinois State, which that'll be neat. Then you've got North Dakota State in town. Yeah, they're coming in for some warmer Could temperatures. Could be the national champions. Could. Could be, could be, could be the, and well, and not only that, that's October 26th. The next week, you got South Dakota State in Brookings, South Dakota, and they Brr. could be the national. Brr, okay. they, they do not play in a dome. And they could be the national champions. Uh, and then you have Missouri State on November the 9th, and then November the 16th. Mark those calendars, Cats fans. You're going to Lexington against the University of Kentucky, and then you host the final game of the season. Actually, you don't host, sorry. Carbondale hosts yeah. Southern Illinois and the Salukis, and yeah. that's your final game of the 2024 football 12-game schedule, you're allowed to do that. Uh, I can look up the rules someday and tell and you. It, I believe it's every four years? No, it, it has nothing to do with it. It's uh, if, uh, if there's so many Saturdays after Labor Day. Oh. If there's so many Saturdays after Labor Day, you get the 12th, and if there's not, then you don't. What a rule. Yeah, between then and, yep. Okay. That's it. All righty. And I think it's back-to-back years we get 12. Okay. And then you don't get it again for a well, few more years. with Missouri and UK, that's two nice payouts. Yeah, they have been working at FCS to make that permanent, but that has not happened yet. I'm not sure really why. I want to very, very quickly mention, before we get out of here, Neil, the fact that Quincy Williams is third in the league in solo tackles, and I believe that remains to be the case after his big performance today. Led the Jets with five total tackles. I uh, do believe he has 76 solo tackles, which, again, is going to be top three in the league. And the Jets won. They got off the schneid, had a big 30-point second. It was tied 0-0 at the half against the Texans, C.J. Stroud, uh-huh. who's very likely going to be rookie of the year. Uh, they uh, won 30-6 to and got off the schneid, and there's a lot of talk that Aaron Rodgers might return mm. for a playoff push. But even okay. then... Quincy Williams continues to have a great season. Cameron Payne 
Meanwhile, certainly worth mentioning that while they did not, Giannis is another one of those athletes, by the way, in my opinion, that from a worldwide perspective is going to bring gravity. And he's also brought a national championship, well, an NBA championship. If he played college basketball, he championship, let's be real. But, you know, Milwaukee did not win the in-season tournament. That did happen to be LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. But Cameron Payne... Uh, actually has played really well now in the month of December. It's worth mentioning that he's shooting 54% from the field, 33% from three, and in the last three games has put up 18 points, 12 points, and then tough game against Indiana. Of course, that was Tyrese Halliburton, former Steve Prone player and actual teammate of Quincy Anderson in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, who ended up making it to the in-season tournament championship. Indiana actually wrecked. Milwaukee at Milwaukee 128 to 119 so but Cam has actually been playing really well this year uh it's probably one of his most offense uh efficient offensive performances of his career so far just in this early stretch shooting north of uh really actually shooting north of 50 percent from the field uh and north of 40 percent from three uh in limited minutes about 17 minutes a game uh and then the last thing that I want to mention here is that John Morant's return is imminent. Countdown is on. The countdown is on. He has less than five games remaining. Uh, His first game is actually against Tyrese Halliburton and the Indiana Pacers. They are currently – the Grizzlies are trying to rebound from their tough start. Of course, injuries galore, plus the sit-outs. They are – I had it up here. They are 6-15, 13th in the West, 4th in the South – the Southwest Division. But, I mean – the Warriors are ten and twelve. So I mean, make the you, you can make the play in, but you know, knock on some wood. Ja returns, some other guys return. They get healthy. Uh, Adam Silver did announce this week, actually this weekend, that uh, he and Ja will have their private sit down relatively soon, probably within the next ten to fourteen days. I do think Ja has a couple. Of, I think he has a court appearance uh, coming up relatively soon as well, uh, and then he will be back. Uh, on the court, good. In I can't an, wait. An official capacity, yeah. I, I see. I, I believe those tickets are already sold out for his return, and uh, certainly still a ton of basketball to be played in the NBA. I mean, they go on a big win streak, and anything can happen. Teams are not playing well right now. The Grizzlies, like I said, are thirteenth, yeah. tied with the Trailblazers at six and fifteen. The Jazz are seven fifteen after they were really really good last year. Matter of fact, the best team in the West so far. First 20 games of the season have been the Minnesota Timberwolves. They started the season 16-4, and four, but Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets, I mean, they're going to be really good. Los Angeles is 13-9, and nine, just won their in-season tournament. They're, you know, they're in the playoffs. It's, 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 it's anything can happen. You know, the fact that Jaws is going to have about 50 games to play. Um, if and they go, I mean, think about it. If they win 60% of those games, yeah. I mean, if 50 games, if they go 30-20, and 20, during that time, they'll make the playoffs. You know, you win 36, 37 games now in the NBA, you're going to make the play-in. So, and the good, the good thing, good things come from this. Uh, ja didn't have to participate in that stupid in-season tournament. What? So, I think there's at least some good to come of it. <sighs> Neil, hey, let's stop and play a tournament during the middle. Of the- you didn't, you didn't- it's not even the middle of the season. Is uh, it? Well, it's actually not. That's it's true. just in the season. It's in the season. Let's just play a tournament while the season's going on. Well, it was a five hundred thousand dollars cash prize for the players, though. I like that. It brought That's, a lot of gravity. They, they wipe their butt with that kind of money, Ed. <laughs> for me, that you, you that sounds like a lot. It does. We do lots of things for that kind of money. 
They they're like, I don't want to do that. That's true. Not whatever. Shohei Otani makes that in one game. Exactly. So. <laughs> Moving forward. Whatever. I, I, I like the in season tournament. Why do you like it? Because I what's good about it? Because I thought it brought out because it, okay, I'll tell you what it's good about. I, I talked to so many NBA fans who like it who didn't give two craps about it. I actually like it because I think it actually gives a platform for younger players to come out and emerge. If they don't get a chance to play in the playoff, like for instance, this year, this first time, yes, I know LeBron James and Anthony Davis prove that they're pretty dang good when the points matter and when the when the cash is on the line. But Tyrese Halliburton exploded. Tyrese Halliburton was already a really, really good player. Three of the last, what, six games he's played, he's had 10-plus assists and no turnovers. He's been phenomenal. He's proving. So that, he wasn't going to be phenomenal in regular season games? Well, it took uh, the tournament still, to bring the phenomenalness out of him? No, but I just, I, I, it put, so they took those games and they put them on a bigger national platform. What? I, What's bigger? Like a, more television. More television time. They or, weren't getting enough TV as it was? Well, that's fair. Well, to be <laughs> fair, oh okay, when the Pacers beat Boston, that was the first time they played a primetime game in ages. Well, that's, that's, what I, that's on the TV networks. Well, that's that's true, but the in-season tournament brought that gravity to it. Jeez. I like that the players cared. I do like that. And I know what you're going to say. They should have cared anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, they should, but whatever. Anyhow, Jai didn't have to play in it. Good for him. <laughs> That and plus he's spared how many games of not having to hear music while he's playing the game. Well, to be fair, that's actually been a thing in the NBA. Neil, if you were to go to an NBA game right now, you would probably. I've been to NBA games. I'm just saying recently, I bet you would hate it. I mean, they don't, they play more music? There's a lot of arenas that'll just play music in the middle of a game. Ah, There you go. Mid play. That's just how it is. Is this your get off your lawn moment? Is this it? I I guess. I would also be just as. Just as peeved if I went to, let's say, you mentioned her. I'm at a Taylor Swift concert, and she stops, and suddenly they're playing basketball on the on her stage, and she's having to like go around them and stuff. <laughs> I want to see her sing. Yeah. I want the music. Give me the music. If I I don't want if I go to an NBA game, I don't want music during the game. Is the game not entertaining enough? That's fair. Those players are really good. I and they're really phenomenal. Best in the world. You don't need the music during the game. Well, they've always done it. We used to live in caves, Ed. We don't live in caves anymore. Yeah, this is my old man moment. This I'm is what you, you get it. from me after 11. Well, this is what I'm It's le- your fault. I'm letting you have it. It's well, your fault. Neil, it has been an absolute delight, as always. If we don't talk to you oh, before Christmas... And by the Christmas- way, I can help you with that gout if you need some help there, Ed. <laughs> I got some stuff you can put on it. I, you know, honestly, I I, I, need, I need some Ben Gay or something. I I am working through I, some I'm gout not, at I'm the not, moment. I'm not going there. All, anyway. j- all jokes aside, I am right. actually working on rubbing on my right foot. Okay. Is definitely... Yeah. That's on me, though. All right. I, I mean, I've been, I've been working out more. Yeah. That's a good thing. But I've also been eating like a lot more cheeseburgers. Yeah. And that's a bad thing. So that'll lead to che- gout. I don't think cheeseburgers give you gout. I would have gout if cheeseburgers. <laughs> now, it may contribute to gout in some people. But cheeseburgers in and of themselves can't give you gout. All right. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, living proof. All right. Well, I'm going to keep reading on it. <laughs> okay. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. If we don't talk to you before Christmas, have a great holiday. Yes. We've got some great guests ahead in 2024. We're not going to do another show before Christmas? We're not going to have Santa on? Well, we might. But if we don't. I think we ought to have Santa on one show. I'll see what I can I do. I really do. I'll see what I can do. Thanks, right. Neil. All right.